0: Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo,
2: what's happening, Rush Nation? It's Murph here. It is a Monday night. I am here live. I am here, not really on my own. Lee is here in the background. Uh, lots of people at the Fantasy Football Expo over the weekend. Bob Lung has always did an amazing job. I've been looking at Twitter, I've been looking at the pictures. Uh, amazing to see everyone having such a such a great time and uh, it meant that getting a guest this week was a a little bit difficult stocks is still on his um, sabbatical was a really busy time for him Uh, so what I thought I'd do and if you saw the Twitter earlier you saw me advertise that I would do an ask Murph anything we're getting ready to get into the draft season now people drafts are in full swing people are really starting to pick up on the the fantasy football bandwagon we've got games we can actually analyze what's going on so much going on now we're only a month away not even a month away from the season so it's I thought it was a really good time just for people to come in and ask some questions I've got loads of questions so lots of great things to to go out here and, and Lee's even going to chime in on one or two of them as well that are football related before we get into any of that just wanted to start off uh, by saying there is going to be Um, so exciting news next week we actually are going to introduce uh, a sponsor which is great um, and would really do uh, appreciate when people do sponsor the pod so check out all the details when we release those next week on all the pods and uh, support that um, provider and hopefully we'll have a couple more in talks with a couple of different sponsors um, because your support over the off-season has uh, been noticed by people people coming to us and it's really humbling and great when people actually want to partner with us and uh, and want to offer products to to you all so uh, it's a testament to you we'll have some great discount codes and and uh, some great products that you, you can take advantage of so just stay tuned for for that one listener league's still in full swing uh kicked off a load of them today load of them last week uh, shout out to the guys in the rules mania listener league uh they uh, came up with uh, some crazy ones. Uh, I sent a tweet out earlier about the rules. That's where we each person creates a rule, and uh, it could be scoring-related, draft-related, or, or roster-related. And we turned a regular PPR into a two-quarterback, two-tight end, through four-point per reception for wide receiver, two-point per reception for tight ends, minus five for interceptions, 0.25 points per carry for running, well, for all players, guillotine league where all players get released from week 9 no bench <laughs> and if you can't take any more players from the first from the first quarterback you draft from that team so crazy league that's why i like the rules your leagues but shout out to all the other leagues the PPR league kicked off yesterday that that was gone great guns already the uh, franchise flex frenzy league is i think nearing a conclusion that started yesterday as well so lots lots going on still spaces go on the website check the link in the notes i think there's still two or three maybe even four leagues that still need people um thanks to everyone who has donated so far we passed uh four thousand one hundred and fifty pounds for unique which is amazing so only eight hundred and fifty ish pounds uh to go until we hit our target um so please do keep donating if you uh, get a, get gift to the team we're only asking for three pounds um for each team that you have some people have gone well above and beyond and so appreciate that I think that's pretty much it for the housekeeping uh do check out the rest of the content and the rest of the pods um got some really really good pods coming out this week as well so just stay tuned on top of all of that so let's get into it I'm going to read out some questions that I've had um I think some of these are, are really interesting And uh, I think we're all going to learn a lot, including myself. Um, What I did is I've sort of compiled them, but I haven't actually done a lot of uh, research on these in the sense of I didn't want to overanalyze them. I wanted you to hear my thought process in in answering these questions because I feel like the process behind how you get to the answer is potentially as valuable, if not more valuable, than the answer itself. So I kind of want you to follow me as I explain the answers because it's quite crucial um, and then Lee, if we get any more comments on Twitter or questions that do come across, uh, you can read them out to me. So Lee's in the background there, so you can't hear him. I can. So if I pause for a minute, it's because he's he's talking to me. So let's start with uh, Matt Watts. So at uh, at Matt Watts twenty three on Twitter, he's be interested to know your preference of Cowboys wide receivers across the different scoring formats. Lamb seems to be a training camp riser. But should we be prioritizing him over Cooper? I guess more uh, generally, what weight do you put on training camp and preseason when drafting? So really good question. It's two parts. I'll take the second part on that first, which is the training camp and preseason when drafting. Uh, In all actuality, not a great deal. Typically, most of the superstars don't get a lot of snaps in preseason. This is the first time we're going to have three preseason games. And I think really when you're looking at the top 80 to 100 fantasy uh, players in fantasy football, very few of them, you're getting a really good read on in training camp or preseason. So you're looking at more injuries, maybe negative news, if there is any. So, for example, on any top player, I'm looking more about their health status than I am about what they're actually doing in preseason games. In fact, if they're doing almost nothing in preseason games that is telling me that they're being held back. And then that tells me that they're going to have a big role. So I'm not overly worried. Rookies are a little bit different. Um, So I'm looking at players like uh, Elijah Moore, Rondell Moore, uh, Terrence Marshall Jr. Those sorts of players interest me a little bit more uh, in terms of the fact that they're, on the cusp of maybe doing something relevant in fantasy football or not. And I want to see how they're kind of being used in their relationship. Um, Zach Wilson, I'm interested in what he does in preseason because we know he's going to get the job, but is he actually going to be someone who's going to be fancy relevant in a, in most QB formats? At this point is undetermined. There's still a bit of time to, to sort of go. So they're the kind of things I, I look at. Um, and I'm looking more like, roster bubbles I'm looking at who the chief handcuff is going to be at running back so um, I'm looking to know is it going to be quite a clean situation like in Carolina with Tuba Hubbard or is it going to be a really messy situation like you might get in Miami or a couple of other places there's a question on that later so I'll leave it there when it comes to the Cowboys and wide receivers across the different scoring formats I'm I'm always going to invest in Lamb over Cooper Uh, The reason why is I think we know what we've got with Cooper now. We've got enough years of production and history and timeline for us to know that Cooper is a very solid, very capable wide receiver too. With potential low-end wide receiver one upside. But for me, he's going to be in that 16 to 24 range of wide receivers come the end of the season. And he might surprise you and get up to 14, maybe to 12. But I'm guessing that is kind of where he is going to be. Lamb, I think his his floor is going to be in the similar range, but his ceiling is more. So I think if everything clicks right for Lamb and he produces, Lamb could be. I was saying could. I'm not saying he will. Could be a top six, top eight wide receiver. So I kind of look at them that their floor is uh, and where they're likely to finish is very similar but I just think lamb with his versatility is his route running and everything else. He likely for me, I see a path to him being much bigger and more relevant than Cooper, whereas I think Cooper is just, he's going to get his and he'll do fine. And he's a, he's not a bad price of where he's going in drafts and I'm not against drafting him, but I'm not seeing a path to him being uh, a league winner. And I think, there's more of a path to, to Lamb being a league winner. So I I think it doesn't overly matter on the format. I think in almost all formats, I would be having Lamb over Cooper. And I just think you, 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 you've you got the option there of Lamb being more solid and, and having a better outcome. Stu Patrick, at StuPatrick180, Uh, On Twitter said, with so many new formats and tweaks to old formats or older formats recently, what is your favorite to play? Uh, And there's a follow up question of and what processes do you go through to strategize for a draft slash season when rules aren't standard? Favorite format. I, I like crazy formats. I think anyone who knows me or has played in a league I play in, I like formats that challenge me when I'm drafting. So I really love the charity leagues, Scott Fish Bowl, the Warrior Bowl, um, Steve Rains Bowl, uh, all of those sorts of things where the, the, the league is so challenging with the scoring, I think is is great because if you can work out the scoring and the advantages, you get a competitive edge. Uh, UKFL is another, another good example of that. So I think they are... They are for me leagues that I find more interesting. I don't know if I necessarily have a favorite. If I went with like a stock favorite, it would be a super flex tight end premium, um, because that for me brings all the positions into play. And I've talked about this for so long. I just don't think tight end is a massively relevant position. But if you make it an extra point per reception for tight ends or even a point and a half, and then you make it a super flex, then you have all these different strategies that it just makes it a very, very interesting format with many different routes as to where you can go to get a path to victory. I think that's what I really like about that format. So that for me, if I went for like a, quite a standard out of the box, that would be the one I would, I would go for, but I do like crazy. We I've talked about the rules, mania league. those leagues have definitely some of the more interesting leagues I've done this summer. Um, I just think with all the different formats and, uh, Uh, and the things thrown at you it's very difficult to prepare and you have to think about how you can get an edge in in drafts in terms of the processes I go through to strategize uh, for draft season when the rules aren't standard for me it's really understanding the scoring and I talk about this so often but the scoring is so important and it is very difficult to get a tool that will tell you what the scoring is going to be when you get it into these weird realms. The sleeper projections are for me quite a bit off. And so I have an advantage when we do some of these leagues because I go off my projections and I can plug in my score. I can plug in the scoring into my projection sheet and then I'm going off my ratings and what I think players are going to do in line with the scoring and so that way i feel more comfortable than probably most because i have that at my disposal and there rob so at rob one of our writers uh, at five yard rob i think yesterday um, published a projection sheet that you can use and it does have the ability for you to do scoring formats i think it might only be the standard ones for now but Maybe I'll I'll try and talk to him and see if we can look at sharing uh, a way to put custom scoring in there. I don't know. But um, if you can find – there are a few tools. Let me dig them out. I don't have them to hand. But when it comes to, like, these sort of scoring sheets – and if you join the patron, I do custom scoring sheets. So if you do join our patron and you do want um, scoring sheets for a very particular league – you know, sign up for the patron and I'll, I'll do uh, a couple of those for you um, as part of your membership. Uh, at FF Goatball asks, uh, hey Murph, in a recent uh, standard scoring, so no PPR, 12 team league, how would you attack the early rounds of a draft in the middle positions? Love the idea of going Kelsey if he falls, but also know how this hurts your chances of getting two solid running backs and stud wide receivers. So this is a, a, an interesting question and I'm going to cop out a little bit here, but I'll, I'll try and talk through strategy based off ADP. So I'm going to pull up the ADP on a standard league now. So I can talk this through as I go through. Um, I would say, first of all, I don't really shoehorn myself into a strategy before I start. So I'm thinking of the middle rounds And I'm sitting there thinking about, okay, so what would I do in the middle rounds or the middle of a round? First of all, I think this year it's actually a really good position to be. If you're drafting from the six, I think that's probably one of the more optimal positions because you can kind of always judge what's going on uh, in the board. And I think that's a quite important one to to do. I think uh, in terms of Kelsey in the middle, I don't love it. Um, especially in a standard scoring, he is going to be a very safe play there. And there's no doubt about that. But the one issue I have with that is I just question in that spot, is he going to win you a league there? And I don't think he is. Um, I think he can not lose you a league for sure, but I don't feel confident he's going to, you know, help you win a league. So when I'm sitting there looking at the spots here, I'm thinking, In those middle rounds, I'd want to be getting one of the running backs. So I'm looking at how far you go into this. So everyone's putting McCaffrey at one and you've got Henry at two in standard. And that should be where you should go over Kamara and over anybody else, because there's no points for the reception. So for me, Henry is easily the number two in standard scoring. Um, uh, Dalvin Cook goes to be the three in standard scoring again because the reception. Kamara moves to about four and then you've got uh, a few different options here in this five to five to eight range. So assuming those four come off the board in standard, you're looking at a choice of Jonathan Taylor, uh, Nick Chubb, Zeke Elliott. And that's kind of where the running backs start to peter off a bit and then it's all of a sudden you're in decision time as to do you go for those or do you go for a wide receiver i would take all of those running backs Uh, i would have zeke over taylor then i would have taylor and then i would have um chubb and then then i'd be taking wide receiver probably there and then in that range at the later end of the round kelsey at 12 makes a lot more sense to me because you get the positional advantage, but I don't think I could be giving up Zeke or Taylor or, or Chubb for Kelsey. Cause I think one of those three guys could be a league winner and you get the positional advantage as well. Um, so then when I'm coming back into the middle of the next round, you might have the option to get a Joe Mixon in that range you probably will have the option to get an Antonio Gibson in that range. Uh, if they're there, I'm quite excited. Um, I forgot Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is another one I'd be putting in that that top eight conversation quite easily as well. Uh, but if top, if Aaron Jones falls, he's another one you could snap up in that second round. If they're all starting to go, um, I would be looking at Diggs and, uh, and Hopkins. They're probably the two I would – take over those, some of those running backs they mentioned, Joe Mixon will be in the conversation there as well. And you see where the third round goes, you might get, so you could start in those middle rounds. You could start with say a Taylor, a Diggs, or if not a Diggs a Hopkins, and then you could get Montgomery. And I quite like that as a start, Montgomery doesn't get a lot of love, but he's a running back four last year. He's going to have very little competition for touches again um they're gonna have a rookie quarterback in at some point who will rely on the run game so I quite like that so that sort of start um but I couldn't knock you for going like a Taylor and then a Hopkins and then getting wide receiver like a Keenan Allen there I think is, is also really attractive so then again that's another reason why I kind of take Kelsey out of that conversation and let someone get him at the end of the round but You know, it's really down to the players that you love and what you want to to task to and find. Uh, Hannah Rowland asks, how do you find those waiver wire picks in the season, particularly those that others may not spot that go later on to be league winners? This is a really fascinating question. Um, I think in terms of waiver wire picks, I look at the stat lines of what's going on every game. And what I try and do is I try and understand what was expected and what wasn't expected. So for example, if I see Alan Lazard goes for a 12, 183, and two or three touchdown game, I prick up and go, Well, why did that happen? And if it was like an injury to Devontae Adams, I'm trying to work out how long that injury is to Devontae Adams. Uh, But if if Devontae Adams was on the field the whole time, I want to try and understand why that happened to Alan Lazard and how likely is that going to be replicated. And then that goes into my process of, well, maybe I want to pick Alan Lazard out. And then at that point, everyone's going to want to go for him anyway. So it's about when players have those kind of games, they immediately become attractive on the waiver wire. And what you want to do is try and work out who is a red herring and who isn't. And that's where looking at the game, looking at why that happened. And if you can understand that, you're going to be able to find these successful waiver wire picks and the ones that you could spend a load of money on and not really help you. I would say traditionally, and I've done the stream column for a couple of years now, that typically your waiver wire winners are going to be running backs. And typically they're going to be running backs that inherit the role through injury. So... Um, for example, the Christian McCaffrey situation, if you picked up Mike Davis, you, you probably picked up, he tailed off at the end, but he got you to the playoffs. If you picked up James Robinson, again, died for you in the playoffs, but actually he got you there. Um, those sorts of players really, really got you out of trouble if there was an injury. So those are the sorts of players you're going to be looking at when there's an injury to a heavy carrying back so anyone that gets and you know some of these handcuffs get drafted Alexander Madison will be drafted in most leagues but he'll probably get dropped if Dalvin Cook plays three the first three or four games so he might be on the waiver wire Tony Pollard always gets drafted but he'll always get dropped so at some point he'll be on the waiver wire again unless he gets injured um so those are the sorts of for me that are the league winners um very rarely Will a wide receiver be, be a league winner for you? But what you will see is wide receivers that have very good matchups. So in my stream column and then waiver-wise, I try and pick up wide receivers who are going to be getting, say, wide receiver two numbers that week because they're playing a team that have pretty poor uh, coverage and are giving up lots of points to wide receivers and also are very good at defending the run. So, for example, last season, I'd be picking a lot of players who were wide receiver twos on low-volume offences who were playing the Buccaneers because the Buccaneers' run defence was so good that they were going to have to put the ball in the air more. And as a result, they were a bit susceptible to that, especially in the middle part of the season. So there were some really good matchups there. I think back to the Chicago game uh, in particular, but there was a few games in that schedule there where the wide receiver two on a team that didn't really have an overly relevant wide receiver two was a really good pickup for a week or two as a result so they're the kind of things i look for on the waiver wire um i'm also always on the hunt for a decent tight end because they always come up every single year there's always a league winning tight end darren waller uh logan thomas these guys will always do a job for you Uh, And there's always one of those. And same with quarterbacks for streaming. I find quarterbacks with really good matchups uh, to stream in and bring on board. Uh, If nothing else, to try and block opponents, but hopefully to put in my lineup. Um, Second question she asked is, best piece of advice you've ever been given about fantasy football? Uh... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this is the part where, you know, I've had so many good Piece of advice I would say the best piece of advice anyone's ever given me about fantasy football is just and this sounds stupid but have fun with it um, if you're not having fun why, why are you playing it uh, so I think that that's always one that sticks with me I always try and have fun with it but I think uh, another piece of advice that's always stuck in with me is, is don't overthink it and sometimes people go into all these stats and all these um, narratives that they try and paint this picture to be on a hill to die on. And it's just not really me. Um, I just tend to follow what I think is happening and I follow trends and I follow the games and I, I make convictions and what I try and do is, use statistics to back up what I'm thinking as opposed to being led completely by the stats. So if I look at the stats and some, the stats are telling me something that I don't know, then I go away and see if that marries up with what I'm seeing and what I believe. Because you could follow all the stats for all, and there's so many out there that a lot of people just rely on, oh, well, so-and-so is going to be good because uh, in the last three games, Chicago have given up X amount of yards to wide receiver twos and this is going to happen. But if I look at it and go, well, every time I've seen that player, they don't finish their routes or I don't think that they're going to exploit that matchup as well as people think they are. And that's based off the football knowledge. um, I don't do it. And then it, it tends to be sometimes I miss the boat and sometimes I'm right, but I play the game how I want to play the game. So I think that's the best piece of advice that anyone's ever given me is, play the game how you want to play the game. Um, if your projected points sleeper or whatever app you're using is telling you that you should start Mike Williams over Brandon cooks, but you think Brandon cooks is, it's the better play play Brandon cooks. You know, it's your team. Same with a fantasy advice. If anyone gives you fantasy advice, do what you want to do. It's your team. Uh, that's the best piece of advice anyone's kind of ever given me. I think, um, Stevie Ross at Stevie Ross uh, 31 said, What's my favorite type of league format? We covered that. Um, but he then asked, uh, Who do you think will be a surprise fantasy asset this season? This is a really good question. And then this is followed up by uh, Kellers, who's at Kellers 318, who asked, Who are your deep sleepers in each position? So, surprise fantasy asset for me. Uh, it depends, because for me, I don't think it's a surprise. But the, the two, I, I think Russell Gage is massively slept on, um, and Terence Marshall Jr., I think, could have a part to play. So if I look at the deep sleepers in each position, I think this will give you the surprise fancy asset bet. I'll go at each position. So at quarterback, I think Sam Darnold. I think Sam Darnold is someone who uh, you don't need to draft in a one QB league. Um, you won't need to. It's fine. But I think he can, if he can, if he can stay healthy with the weapons he's got there, with the coaching he's got there, uh, the talent, everything, I think it could really work out for him. Um, I'm not saying he's going to set the world alight. I'm not saying he's going to finish as a QB one, but I think he could be a very, very useful uh, quarterback uh, for sure. Uh, so he's someone in a two QB league. I don't overly mind the one I target in, in two QB leagues. And I get almost every time is Ben Roethlisberger. And it's really simple for me. Everyone is projecting Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and Juju Smith-Schuster to be top 24 wide receivers this year, but we're not betting on Ben to be good. They both cannot be true. You cannot have him supporting three wide receivers to finish in the top 24 and yet him be crap. It's that, that, it, that isn't possible. Either we're overvaluing the three wide receivers or we're undervaluing Ben. And right now, I think we're massively undervaluing Ben. Again, I think he's almost free in most leagues. Again, I don't think he's necessarily going to finish in the top 12. But I don't think he's that far away from the conversation. I think he's like quarterback 14, quarterback 15 for me. I think he's someone who can very easily put together a very, very nice, uh, comfortable season for those who want to just completely punt the quarterback position and then pick someone very late who's going to be dependable. I think he's an easy pick at that position. Uh Trey Lance is probably the deepest sleeper uh, for me. I think he wins the job very early and I think he has got the opportunity in the fantasy playoffs to be a top 12 uh, quarterback in the fantasy playoffs, uh, just with what he brings to you in that offense and the scheme. So that's a quarterback. Uh, a wide receiver, um, I've talked about Russell Gage. Uh, I really like Elijah Moore. I think Elijah Moore is someone who's going to get a lot of work. I think he's going to be a pretty solid top 36 wide receiver, and that doesn't sound amazingly sexy, but you're never really going to find that many people off the radar that then jump into being an overly relevant fantasy wide receiver. Yes, we had Justin Jefferson last year, but at wide receiver, the talent does kind of dictate the finishing point you know, it's no surprise that the best wide receivers in football finish at the top of of the fantasy charts. So the best wide receivers go early and that is how it works. And wide receivers have a lot of longevity. So, you know, you're not going to get that often a player who is a rookie or a relative unknown finishes a top 12 player in that position. It's very hard, especially how deep it is. But um, if you're looking for some late guys who I think can really produce, I've talked about Gage, Jalen Rager, for me, I think is practically free. I think you could pick him up. Sterling Shepard is free, and I don't love Sterling Shepard, but I think with what's available in, um, in New York and Kenny Galladay's history, and you know Daniel Jones has some rapport and chemistry with him, and again, Sterling Shepard is free. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind taking a shot on Sterling Shepard. Players, I think, who are criminally underrated. uh, Antonio Brown, I think, is a huge steal. Where he is, Robbie Anderson. The same names I talk about most weeks, I think, are all criminal steals. Running back. This is hard because uh, there is only 32 starting jobs at, at running back, and there's really only about 24 that are worth talking about in any real volume so if you're thinking about players who are going to outperform and these aren't sleepers like david montgomery makes a lot of sense to me um i can't really call him a sleeper if he's going in the third round so at that point then you're looking at at who could be quoted as sleepers it's quite hard because then They need injuries in order for them to to come good. But if I'm looking, I think Miles Sanders is underrated. Um, I think James Robinson is a steal. Trey Sermon in the sixth, I think, again, with his schedule could be really solid. Uh, And then he goes a bit nasty for a bit. I like Zach Moss in the eighth. Um, I think he's someone who can put together a, a, a reasonable season A uh, David Johnson in the eighth round, I think is another one. You could put a decent season together. And if I'm looking at late round, everything could go right for them and they could do really well. If I'm looking at like super late sleepers, I've talked about Madison. If, if Cook goes down with that injury history, you've got a league winner there. Um, Pollard is another one. Uh, the other one who's, off a lot of people's radars uh, well there's two more, one Latavius Murray I just think with the fact that he got very little in terms of wide receivers uh, I think they've run the ball a lot more so I think Latavius Murray could be very busy this year uh, and I like I like Ramadri Stevenson he's a bit like LeGarrette Blount he'd run them, pummel the ball, he could be a goal line back there um, and could get a lot of touchdowns so Ramadri Stevenson in the last um, round of drafts makes a lot of sense to me as well uh, what else? Am I? Uh, another one at wide receiver, uh, Marquis Calloway of New Orleans. He seems to be doing quite well in camp. And I'm interested in that whole team during camp because it's going to be a lot of what we don't know. Um, I think Taysom Hill's going to win the starting job. And then I think he's going to rely on people like Calloway to get large uh, yards after the catch. And that's what he's capable of. And I, I'm i just not buying Traquan Smith as a thing. So I think Calloway is the one I'd want uh, on that team. With Thomas out, uh, tight ends, uh, I, to be honest, uh, talked about this, Higby, uh, Gronk, undervalued. Uh, they're both massively undervalued. Uh, I think other tight ends to consider. Uh, Hunt Henry, but that just check your, your, fit, your health on that. Logan Thomas is going to get action. He'll be fine. Col I think, will have a good year. All those sorts of players, maybe even Adam Troutman as well. But I think with tight end, just take a couple of those guys and just pick your shots. Um, Matt Atkinson, so M. Atkinson, 1986, asked me, kicker and defense differentials. I didn't really know what he meant. I guess he's saying who who makes a difference in those positions. Um, I've written about this in the book two years in a row. I would say really there is never really enough of a difference in the scoring format. Defense is just very random. Um, It's fantasy analysts and and analysts in general, are just very bad at predicting defenses in general. So I don't see that being something that that we're ever going to get good at predicting because it's too much variable in there. Uh, So I just don't like picking up defenses. Um, that high because they very rarely pan out. I remember when Jacksonville had a really good defense, people were picking them up in the ninth round. It doesn't work, (laughs) you know? So I I don't think there is a differential there enough to make me uh, invest in them past the the final two rounds of a draft. If I had to pick one, uh, well, here's some advice on defenses. I like right now, Denver, who you could probably get for free. Uh, the other one is Carolina. Uh, Carolina's first four games are as, as easy as any schedule on the roster uh, all season for anybody. So I quite like picking up Carolina uh, for free after drafts. Um, so taking an extra player, see what they do in camp, and, and then make a decision later on and pick up Carolina. So Carolina, Denver, I think I fine. Cleveland quite underrated as well. I think they're the kind of... Defences. I'm quite comfortable taking. I don't need to be taking the Buccaneers in the 12th round or anything like that. Kickers just there with the with the scoring. Are people going to take Tucker in like the 11th and 12th round. Uh, that doesn't matter. Um, it, they're not going to outscore that much to everybody else. If you look at kicker scoring over the last uh, half a dozen years it's uh between first and 12th is about two points per game 2.5 2.6 points a game on average i wrote this in the book and i don't think there's enough variance there to excite me uh you can stream them or you can just pick a kicker and forget them uh, i'm not really that fussed on the position it doesn't offer me enough um i'll make the points up across the rosters uh, anywhere else so yeah i'm I just don't think kickers really had any real variance, uh, at all. Uh, El Marco, El Marco lives, uh, messaged, uh, which league bowl, uh, would you most want to win? Uh, it would be the Scottfish bowl, 1920 people this year, the best in the world, uh, in that it would be really great to win that. That would be the one I'd want over, over everything. Um, I just think it'd be really cool just to say, well, I beat everyone <laughs> um, to be honest. Uh, so I think, I think that's the one I'd, I'd want to win more than anything, but to be honest, I, I, I treat every league equally. I want to win. If I can win any one of these charity tournaments, the EFFC, uh, which started today or the FFCC or the UKFL or the warrior bar, which I was so close to winning last year, you know, you win any one of those tournaments. It's, it's, um, amazingly special. So I'll take any one, really. Uh, the Scottish Bowl would be my preference, but I'll, listen, I'm not picky. I'll take any one of them. Uh, and then in terms of leagues, got a couple of home leagues are playing. in. Um, I wouldn't mind winning any one of those. Uh, kicked off a really special one uh, today, the, the UFC, we're calling it, um, which is a multi-format, multi-draft kind of format, um, which turns a home league with some, some of the best players in the UK. So I wouldn't mind winning that, to be honest, um, because the winner gets to kick out uh, someone from the league next year. So that would be quite cool to kick someone else out of that league for a year. So, yeah, there's a few things, um, a few leagues, but Scottish Ball, I think, for me, would be it. Uh, Mace, Mace has been in touch at, Cali King, 49er at Seventeen asked In offensive schemes where two or three players share the same target share, what is your evaluation elimination process? which player would be most beneficial to draft uh, for your team? Uh, this is an amazing question. It goes quite technical, but there's actually quite a simple answer to this. Um, so basically what he's saying is if there's two or three players who would get a very, very similar target share, what, how would you rank them? Um, it's really simple. The target share is, is, is one part of the equation. That's the volume that will tell you how much each player gets. The other is actually what they're going to do with the volume. So for example, if, I've got a team where I've got three players sharing 18, 20% volume across three players. The Buccaneers probably isn't a bad one to use. So let's say, for example, Evans, uh, AB and Godwin are going to share between them 75% of the targets and they're going to split in 25, 25, 25. That's not what it's going to be, but let's say they do. Um, Just for simple maths. How would I split those? Well, I would look at a few different factors. I would look at, for example, their yards after catch, their catch percentage, uh, red zone targets. Um, And so if I was to rank those three players equally from target share, Mike Evans would be the one that will always come out on top because he gets the most looks in the red zone. He gets the most touchdowns. And I know touchdowns is a bit of a, uh, a stat that's a bit lucky, but he's consistently done it over time. Um, his catch percentage is always very good. He's got a large catch radius. So I'm looking at yards after catch. I'm looking at the big playability. I'm looking at red zone efficiency, red zone targets, touchdowns over a period of like maybe three years. So uh, if all things are equal in that team, Mike Evans would be the one I would take because of all of those things. Then it would be Godwin over again. Yards after catch would be higher than uh, a B's um, if, if things like the target share were the same. But obviously, if they're not, then you have to factor in that part of the equation. So, yeah, it's looking at what they do with that share. So, for example, if you've got an offense where you've got two or three players that are the same, the slot guy is going to be the one you probably ignore and put to the bottom, because very rarely does the slot guy get a lot, unless they're like a Cooper Cup or Michael Thomas, they're very rarely going to do much with that with that volume, they're just going to get a lot of catches. So in PPR, that's great. But if it's the same as the other players, you'll want the person on the outside because they'll get the extra yardage and the touchdowns. Uh, Kevin Howard uh, at uh, um asked me uh, maybe a common ask, but what got you into the fantasy football space to begin with? And what has your journey been uh, like? And then someone else asked me how they get into fantasy football here in the UK. Uh lovely question to get asked. Um, I've been playing fantasy football for 21 years. I lived in Orlando, uh, went to high school and university in Orlando. And uh, from 2000 to 2005, and I came back and I sort of found it a bit hard at first to, follow and then the following started to grow here in the UK from 07, 08 when we got the international games and then since then there's been more games on Sky and Sky being great and we've ended up uh, getting the following we've got now with regular games every year, two to four games a year. So the sports just continue to grow from strength to strength here and that's made it a lot easier to uh, follow. I had a few years where I probably wasn't as into it through just finding it hard to follow but um definitely the last 10 years uh, especially i've been um really really into it and played fantasy for almost all of those 21 years uh how i got into the space was through stocks stocks invited me to be on this podcast as a guest and uh i thought it'd be a good idea to start getting some guests on um so luke easterling was our first ever guest who writes for bucks wire and then marcus grant um we had someone who used to work at fantasy pros come on and um, and I think Joe P. Sapir is one uh, sort of in our first 10 guests. And I just realized that talking to these people and the space is just so, everyone's so good with their time and everyone's so phenomenal that it's just a really great community for the most part. And then got to know people on the, the UK side and UK fan side. Um, really, it's just the people and the friends that have met through playing fake football is just great. And I get to talk to people every day who I would never have met as a result of playing this game and doing this podcast. And that's what it's all about for me over uh, everything else. You know, I don't take a salary or get paid to do this. Um, You know, we, we do make uh, some money from the books and things, but that already all goes back into the production of the podcast and get uh, prizes and stuff for, for everyone and charity donations and all that sort of thing. You know, like Stocks and I don't don't take a, a penny and we might buy ourselves a five-yard T-shirt every now and again out of it. But that's kind of about as, as many perks as we kind of get. But the space has been incredible. Um, at times, there's a bit of a, a negative on Twitter and people get a bit antsy and write some horrible things. Um, but for the most part, people are, are incredible you see like the FF expo and you see how people are, but you know, people find, I find that the people who everyone looks up to are just so kind and so generous with their time and to get people just to come on the show, you know, we don't pay anyone to come on the show. We don't pay for their time. Um, I don't think we give them lots in terms of um, <laughs> additional sales. Uh, if we do, um, you know, it's always great, but I think, you know, they're not, they're not here for that. they, they come on because they just love what they do, and the passion is is there, and they're just happy to talk to to me, and to stocks, and to the, and to everyone else. And I think the fact that we in the UK, I think, are really good fans, and we interact, and the fact that you guys interact with the guests—that's kind of why they come on. Uh, I was saying to Lee off air, you know, I went on Justin's podcast, Justin Boone's podcast, and he was on last week. And the people who dropped me a message after going on that was just really incredible. And that's kind of why I, I you go on other people's podcasts is to, just to meet new people. And the space is great. So my journey has been great, Um, to be honest. It's just to to meet people whose content I've read for years and look up to and play in leagues with. It's just, uh, I pinch myself all the time. Uh, and long may continue, but I also just enjoy playing with people like yourself, Kevin and, uh, got to know you over the last few weeks of being in you, but uh, you know whether it's a Sigmund Bloom or whether it's, it's you Kevin or, or, or anyone else who's taken the time to read in, read in or write in or anyone I've met through this game I just everyone I, I love and appreciate and that's what it's about for me over, over everything else uh paul picking asked uh this is relevant to a draft that we've just started if you're not allowed to draft a player in the same team as your qb which qbs would you target and that refers to the rules menu i talked about <laughs> earlier uh this one really simple uh ish i would target qbs from players that just don't have a lot of players that you want to draft so you know i'm looking at very very shallow teams so and then looking at where the qb uh, side sort of offsets, uh, the the talent. So it's, it's quite. So for example, like that Prescott would definitely not be one. I'd, I definitely wouldn't be drafting that Prescott because I've won a lot of those Cowboys. I would probably look at. So I'm thinking about Justin Herbert wouldn't be a bad one. Yes, okay, you can get Eckler and Allen. You could probably live with that. Cook is okay as a tight end. Williams is all right as a wide receiver, but you could probably live without them. So um, Justin Herbert, I think, is a good one. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, okay, you don't get Aaron Jones and you don't get Devontae Adams, but there's no one else on that team. You really, uh, Robert Tonyan. you could, again, kind of live without those players. So Aaron Rodgers, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, I think would be a great one because really it's just Dobbins and Andrews. I think you could live without them. They would be sort of the three at the top of the list, off the top of my head. Uh, Brady wouldn't come into my mind. Kyler Murray's not a bad one. You know, you've got Hopkins and then the running back situation. But again, it's not loads to, to really want in that offense. So he's probably not a bad pick. Some later picks. Uh, duh, 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 duh. Probably Baker Mayfield's not bad. Yeah, you don't get the running backs wide receivers are a bit meh so I wouldn't be anti that yeah I'd, maybe Atlanta Matt Ryan you'd miss out on Ridley the rest of them like Gage might be alright and Mike Davis might be alright and you miss out on Pitts but you know, I don't think that's a big loss so yeah they're the kind of uh, quarterbacks I would, I would go in, the, in this sort of format and you're against me so it's free advice so you're welcome Uh, I'm going to rush through a few of these because we're getting uh, close to time here. Uh, Graham Parker at Parker Man 2 said, what do I think of IDP leagues? How do you value defensive players against the offense? And what would a top cornerback like Ramsey be worth against top running backs and wide receivers? Uh, It's a three-part question. I love IDP leagues. Uh, Talked about it for ages, written article about why you should play IDP leagues. You can go and check that out on the site. Um, The value of defensive players is... It really depends on the scoring system. The one thing about IDP is the scoring system isn't consistent, which is why uh, Nay has done a great job in doing the IDP plus um, scoring because that kind of makes all the positions relevant. Um, but if you're going for a traditional-ish kind of IDP scoring, um, a player like Ramsey is worth nothing, ultimately. <laughs> um, he's like DB 40-odd. Um, So he's like not even a top 100 defensive player in in scoring. So where's he worth? He's worth nothing. Um, Probably not even getting drafted or he's getting drafted off name value and he's going to disappoint people because he doesn't get a ton of interceptions. He doesn't tackle that much because his coverage is so good. He's almost like he plays himself out of being fantasy relevant. Uh, The only thing he does is pass breakups. Um, But also because he's so good, people don't target him. So the ball doesn't come his way as much as it does for maybe not so good cornerbacks. So, yeah, so that's something that's something I would say about uh, Ramsey there is it's just not worth it. So top cornerbacks, best cornerbacks in the game aren't overly worth drafting in IDP. Uh, for that reason, you're looking at more the top linebackers. They're the ones that, that kind of get you your point. So linebackers are like your stud. RBs, the ones to get all the tackles. Um, your defensive linemen like your wide receivers and you, you, your cornerbacks, you want the safeties, not the cornerbacks. Uh, Jeffrey Rahman uh, runs through dreams, uh, said, is it wise to hop on dynasty quarterback run when it starts or wait it out? Do you think Carl Pitt's hype makes sense as early as he's going in dynasty? Um, it's hard without context on the question on, on dynasty QB run. I uh, I think it depends in a two QB league. You probably can't wait it out in a one QB league. You definitely can. So yeah, I, I kind of, you don't want to overpay and you don't want to reach um, because the, if it's a one QB league, the worst thing that could happen is you miss out, you finish in the bottom four and then you'll get a nice pick to get a great QB next year. Um, so Uh, And also in a one QB league, you're never going to be so stuck in QB purgatory because there's enough good quarterbacks. In a two QB league, you're probably going to have to force the issue a little bit um, because it's much harder to replace uh, or you're going to have to do some trades. Do I think the carpets hype makes sense? Absolutely not. I don't think it makes sense. Um, I've talked about this before, but, you know, any one tight end in their rookie year, made the top five in, in fantasy tight ends, and that was um, Everett Ingram, and it wasn't even that great a season. It was like 700 yards and six touchdowns. And that's the best tight end rookie season we've ever seen. Is that going to win you a league? No. In dynasty, does the pit type make sense? Is he ever going to be the next? I mean, the talent is incredible, but it's all down to coaching and scheme and it takes a few years to break through uh, I just I can't do it because I can't the way I play dynasty is I think about two to three years tops and never go beyond that there's another question coming on that so no it doesn't make sense uh, to me at all Mr. nice guy at uh, J rule the boss we've been making an episode about franchise flex frenzy um I could do. I haven't. Uh, I could do. I, I wrote a chapter on it in the book, um, so you can reference that <laughs> if you like. Um, yeah, I probably will. I suppose I could. I could do one. That there seems to be more and more leagues popping up. So yeah, maybe I should. Um, I'll probably do a bespoke one-off and, and drop it. Why not? Uh, uh, John Paul Doku, uh, JP Doku asked in a dynasty startup, how many rounds after how many rounds you decide if you're contending or doing a. Pre- productive struggle uh and then what is your dynasty strategy for dynasty trading when contending and rebuilding um first of all i'm always going out to contend that's kind of how i do strategy in dynasty um i work on a two-year plan Uh, and anything beyond that's a bonus but most dynasty startups tend to fall in the first two years anyway so lots of people think love the idea of dynasty and then they realize the team's crap and they did it wrong and they leave and then leagues collapse so I, i never really think outside the top two years so i tend to push in quite early uh and build teams that try and win early so i don't really get into that uh productive struggle um so, go, uh, you know, I think I think you're going in after, I think by about five rounds, you'll know where your team's heading. Are you he- heading the mediocrity? Do you want to build young? I think five rounds is kind of your benchmark there because I think it's quite chalky for the first three, maybe four rounds. Uh, strategy for trading when contending and rebuilding. If I'm rebuilding, I'm selling all the pieces um, that are worth picks for picks. And then I want to accumulate as many as possible so that I can make trades in the off season where those picks will be worth more. Um, to give you an example, I in one league, I traded off Miles Sanders. I traded off uh, Joe Mixon. I traded off, I traded off a, a, about four or five players. Um, I think James Winston was on this list um, for first round picks in the Superflex, And I ended up with seven of the 12 first round picks. I then used two of those to get Russell Wilson. Uh, no, sorry, I used one. I used the 101, and I used uh, a second-round pick to get Russell Wilson. I used another first-round pick to get Daniel Jones. And then I used the rest to dance around the board, and I got a haul of Justin Herbert, Justin Jefferson, Antonio Gibson, Uh to Sean, uh, um I got yeah Keyshawn Vaughn, which hasn't really worked out. But anyway, the the, the point stands as I ended up building some nice pieces off that, so I'm quite happy to trade pieces off for picks, and then use those picks to get them because when the rookie cast gets announced, your first round you could get a first round pick for players who aren't worth a first round pick because they're trying to win now, and then you can turn that first round pick into a lot more when people get excited about the rookies or you can take the rookies. It gives you a lot more options uh, when I'm contending a uh, similar thing. If I'm trying to win, I don't really care about the first round picks next year. So I'm quite happy to spend them um, to get players. I think who can help me win a league. Uh, and last question, and Lee's going to come in for this one. So uh, Jordan or, or Jay Tomps uh, said, how much do you trust that the dolphins will commit to Gaskin? How much lower do you place him after Flores? stating he will use a three back committee. So Lee, why don't you come in and explain what you think is going to happen at the Dolphins? And then based on what you say is where I tell you where I would value him and uh, so I
1: I think the Dolphins have, have always it's always been on the cards that they're going to be by committee. They don't they, they've done nothing to show that they value this position particularly highly. I mean it was a a position really of need going into the draft. They spent a seventh round pick on a running back. Um, obviously, he picked up Malcolm Brown in, in free agency. But Brian Flores wants to be as multiple as he can at as many positions as he can. And it's going to be on a week-by-week basis. It's all the, without trying to sound too kind of cliché, it's all the old New England stuff that you saw. You know, it could be Gaskin this week. It could be Ahmed. But if they feel like they need need a bit more power, you're going to see all and Brown. Um, I, I think it's going to be very hard to predict unless you start looking really deep into, in, into how the defences are playing and then try and predict how, how Brian Flores intends on attacking that. It's not going to be as straight up as this guy is is, is RB1 on, on the Dolphins. Um, and I think that applies... Pretty much across the board. Um, same wide receiver. You know they've got plenty. They've got plenty of wide receivers that they can play in any position on the field. So again, they're trying to keep people guessing. I don't think it's. Good. I think it's really bad for people trying to pick Dolphins players in fantasy.
2: I tend to agree. Yeah, I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. And you know that team inside out. I do think Gaskin will end up with the majority of the work. I don't think he gets it all, but then how rare does a a running back get all the work? Would it be fair? So let me ask you a question, Lee. Would it be fair to say that Gaskin would get 60% of the work? Is that possible?
1: Uh, it's, It's certainly possible. I mean, to me, he's the best back on the roster. But I it also doesn't. I, I don't think it necessarily says a lot. I think if you, if you if you took him out to dolphins and tried to to slot him into some other teams, tell me where he is RB one on on a lot of teams. I think it's not an awful lot. Do you know what I mean? I think he he comes up pro, pretty much even with some of the with some of the other backs. I think you say, oh, he'd be a clear upgrade. No. and pick your team. So yeah, he's, he's definitely capable. Um, I think a lot depends on how. Malcolm Brown shows. I mean, the O line looks bad. Mm. I mean, it, I'd say that's probably a lot of Dolphins fans' first concern right now. And in that instance, I'd probably go towards Gaskin because he's just got a little bit more, a bit more pep in his step. He to the yeah. outside a lot better than the Malcolm Brown. You know, he's not a he's not a, a, so reliant on running right between the tackles. He, you know,
2: I think yeah. he opens you up to big gains. I I think for me, Malcolm Brown is is going to be a typical goal line inside Mm -hmm. the last 20 kind of bulldozy back. So he's going to cap Gaskin, right? I think Gaskin's the one on that team, or at least the 1A. I think it's fair. I look at his role very similar to how I look to Aaron Jones's role in Green Bay, but without the talent. So Aaron Jones was just heavily efficient for the touches that he got but he had like a 55 60 percent role jamal williams had like a 30 35 percent role and aj Dillon or whoever else was knocking around got the other bit and that's kind of how i see how miami are going to kind of be with their three backs i think ahmed is going to have a bit of a role i think brown is going to take a bit of work i think you're all going to kind of knock around and, and do stuff but I think Gaskin is going to get the most looks. I think, as you say, he's got the most pep. He's got the most wiggle. He's got the most burst. I agree with you. I don't think he's anything that... He's not going to be a Hall of Fame. He's not going to have an incredible season. But I think he's still going in the fifth round of, of fantasy drafts. And I'm thinking... It's probably not far off what he is worth. I think he's a fifth, sixth round sort of back. He's the sort of back I can see having a... 200 carry, 870, 880 yard, eight touchdown season. Quite unremarkable. Nothing spectacular. I have a few good games, a few not so good games. And he'll finish as a low-end RB2, high-end RB3. That's kind of where I see Gaskin. And I think that's fine for where you draft him. I I think he's good bye week cover, good flex cover. I think he's fine. If you're drafting him to be more than that, then you're kind of snookered. And I think this news today, to be honest, I don't really care about what coaches say in August. doesn't really matter. I think what Brian Flores is saying is almost irrelevant. Um, he's only saying what I think everyone can see anyway, which is Mars Gaskin isn't, isn't a bell cow. He's not going to get all the work. And I think if anyone actually believed that, they would have been taking him in the second round of drafts, but they're not. And as you say, the O-line's back. So he's going to get handicapped. I think if you're taking him in the fifth, sixth round, I think if that's what you've paid for him, and that's what you're concerned, you are even going to return that? I wouldn't be overly concerned, but I don't think he's any better than that. I think, yeah, low end RB2. If he finishes, I think he could finish. His range of outcomes for me is anywhere from RB18 to RB30. I think that's, that's his range. He'll finish somewhere in there, unless he gets crocked or injured.
1: You definitely hit on something there as well. That, that I mean, again, everyone, I'm not, I'm not telling you what to do because I'm far from a fantasy expert but on the Dolphins, maybe that, but certainly not in fantasy. But if you go back to the beginning of last year and see how Jordan Howard was used, he may have had five yards, but he had five touchdowns. And Gaskin's getting all the work between the 20s, so to speak. You know, it's um, he. It, it, I mean, it could really hurt you that way in regards to him not actually getting the touchdown numbers that his kind of yardage would normally warrant. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a tough one. But I think with, with the Dolphins, everything is by committee. I, I, I think Brian Flores is, is just that it, he was in New England long enough to, to know that it's, it, if this is the best thing to win this week, this is what we're going to do.
2: Uh, we go back to that quarterback question. Take two of your first QB on in that league you don't have to worry about drafting Dolphins players. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm with you. I, I don't really want many Dolphins on my team. In fact, I've looked at my teams. I can't see me wanting to get Waddle at the price he's at. Uh, Parker is sneakily a value. Um, because he's going in like the ninth round, the tenth round, and I think yeah, I'll probably pay that for Parker. I don't love him, and I don't think he's going to be great, but I'd buy it for that price, given that he can do it. Yeah. Um, Gaskin in the fifth doesn't excite me, but I would probably do it. <sighs> I've
1: got one dolphin that we that we should definitely visit though. Got them. Someone who has performed well so far, and I think the opt-out year did wonders for. Don't say Albert Wilson <laughs> is Albert Wilson.
2: <laughs> I've gone all in on him before. Yeah, I
1: know. I, uh, you know, coming off the hip injury, spending the whole year out last year he seems like the player that's had the most chemistry with Tua so far through camp. I mean, it, it's really only a health thing. He's, he's going to be on the roster. Most people had him as a cut. He's going to be on a roster.
2: Yeah. Uh, Albert Wilson is a great yak guy. Um, and relevant yards per touch is just how much volume he gets, but yeah, one for you deep, deep league folks. Definitely. Uh, but yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think we'll wrap it there. um, appreciate all the comments i hope a lot of you have found this really useful i i certainly have enjoyed it um and i'll continue to ask questions or p- answer your questions if you send them through via dm i'll try and pick up some of them if if i've missed them i look forward to picking more up and, and seeing you get on but rush nation yeah, appreciate all the time I uh, hope you've enjoyed this episode hope you've got something out of it Please do. If you haven't left us a review on Apple Podcasts, please do that. That would massively help please do also if you haven't picked up a copy of the fantasy football playbook that's available digitally via the website or also via amazon um don't forget to check dynasty guys they will be here on wednesday five hour college we're only a week away from the college season so check out them check out our new sponsors when we launch that next week but thanks for tuning in and until next week rush nation don't forget keep rushing.